Little Jimmy came down running from the stairs. He got underneath the tree and he was thinking to himself, finally, I got my PS5 console with headset, two controllers and all the accessories. He looked down and he saw that big box and he thought, oh, for sure, I got my PS5 console with a headset and two controllers and all the accessories. He opened the first box and there was another box inside. He saw that it was a little bit smaller and he thought, oh, surely I got my PS5 console with a headset. <laughs> he opened that box and then there was another box. He thought, well, surely I got my PS5 console without the headset, no controllers, and no accessories. But that's good. That's okay. He opened the next box, and it was something like this. And he thought, well, surely I got my Nintendo Switch OLED console, blue and red Joy-Con. And I may have to wait for next year for the PS6, because by then it will be the PS6. He started ripping it open, and he thought, oh, for sure it's going to be there. Oh, my goodness, I am so excited, because it's going to be my Nintendo Switch. And lo and behold, something fell. A puny airplane. Does that sound like what you were hoping for when you were praying for a better job? Does that sound like what you were praying for when you worked really hard at your job because you were hoping for a promotion? Does that sound like prayers that we utter when we are asking for the Lord to bless someone or to heal someone else because he's sick? And it delays and it delays and it seems like hope is lost. And what if that person is us? What if today, just before Christmas, we are struggling to find hope in the midst of all the darkness that's surrounding us? What if it's just depression that you are battling right now? I don't know. What's stealing the hope from your heart? What's stealing the hope and the joy from your heart? Advent is a time of preparation and the expectation for the coming of Christ. The time before celebrating the joy of the world and the incarnation of the, God, of the Word of God. So we want to take this few weeks just to talk about Jesus is our hope. And we want to encourage each one of you. We want us to be reminded that Jesus Christ is a hope. Not only hope is a concept, hope is a person. And when you have that person in your heart, then hope is born. Then hope cannot die. And we want to encourage you that, to think of that, that Christ in you is the hope of glory, as Colossians 1.27 says. One of my favorite um, authors is J.K. Uh, Chesterton, and he wrote, Hope is the power of being cheerful in circumstances that we know to be desperate. It is not blissful ignorance or wishful thinking, but a cheer that refuses to let circumstances triumph, triumph over courage. 
Doubt overcomes faith. Adversity conquers compassion. Conquer compassion. This is not easy. It is our, our default setting. When we hit a brick wall, we, our first emotion is, emotion is naturally arises. It's not hope. It's the opposite. Hope requires a strength that comes from focusing on a greater vision that is wrong. We may not have every problem figured out, but we serve a God who loved this world enough to send his son Jesus Christ for us. Hope was born. And that's why we are here today. To remember that, that no matter what we're happening, no matter what we're facing right now, hope is something that we have instilled in our hearts. Hopeful of the wonderful things yet to come. Heavenly Father, we are here today thanking you because we were able to worship you. Our hope, the hope in the midst of darkness, the hope in the midst of uncertainty, our hope in the midst of sickness, our hope, expectant, expectant hope, Lord, in the midst of Jesus Christ coming back. And we hope for the return, for his return, Lord. We love you. And as we approach the throne and as we study the, the, these two people that we're going to study today, Lord, Simeon and Anna, help us to remember that they were also waiting for the Messiah. And that Anna witnessed that coming. The Messiah was there. And their example should be also an example for us to follow. Because Jesus is the fulfillment that brings hope to us, the believers. He is, he is in us the hope of glory. He is our hope through trials. Help us to proclaim that. Help us to pro proclaim that message of hope. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like for you to come with me to look to the book of Luke, the gospel. And we're going to be uh, studying uh, a couple of people. I mentioned it in the prayer. I know many things have happened already by the time that Simeon and Anna appear. But what I love about the, the story of these two people is that they were hoping. They were hoping. And our theme today, as Pastor was saying, we're going to preach through the Advent themes. Hope, joy, peace, and love. And today, I have the privilege of preaching about hope. And who better than these two people that were hoping that Messiah would appear in their times. One of them had a prophecy, a personal prophecy that's, that the Holy Spirit had given him. And what we read here in, the, in verse 20, starting with verse 21, it says, And when the eight days had passed, this is after Jesus is born, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, and the name given the angel before he was conceived in the, in the womb. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to, to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn, firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord. 
a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. Oh, Lord, may when other people think of us, wouldn't that be wonderful? That when other people think of us, they could think of these two characteristics. And Antonio was righteous and devout. What is amazing is that this is even before Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was already a man that was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death, death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents bought, brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arm and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepare in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed to the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul. To the end of that thought from that many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, in the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Some of my favorite Christmas stories are in these two characters. I know, I love the magi, I love the shepherds, I love the angels, I love them. But there's something about these two older saints that help us to follow the Lord even in the midst of difficult circumstances. As the Bible says, according to this, that they were, um, if, you, if you look at me, look with me in uh, verse 25, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. What is that he was hoping for? So Simeon was hoping for the coming of, of the Messiah. That's what we see in the first point. Simeon was, was hoping for the coming of Messiah. Uh, we understand hope as earnestly expecting. When we pray, we're earnestly expecting that the Lord would answer that prayer. If not, we probably wouldn't be praying, right? I understand that there's different kinds of prayer. Sometimes when we are just having a meal and we say, thank you, Lord, for this food. How about when you are really sick? How about when you have 
in your stomach a pain and you are, Lord, please help me. Heal me because I'm really hurting. But what if it's someone closely related to you? I venture to say that our prayers are supplications, not only prayers. And in this case, what we, what we see is that Simeon is expecting, is hoping earnestly for that Messiah to come. Something wonderful happened. And uh, it's amazing that not many times we find this in the New Testament that before the coming of Christ, the Holy Spirit is mentioned in relation to someone that hasn't yet trusted in Christ as a personal Savior. Remember, Christ hasn't died yet, so the Holy Spirit hasn't begun. That permanent, that indwelling ministry in the believers. He comes and he goes. But in this case, the Lord says that this man that was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm, I'm very puzzled at this thing, uh, this situation. Because, you know, the, the writer of this book is Luke, right? The, the, one of the followers of Paul. And Luke is following the Lord, following uh, Paul. And what we understand in verse, in chapter 1 is that he's writing this gospel. Because there's a person. We need to go back to chapter 1, verse 1 uh, through um, 4. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they handed down to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So this is important because Luke is not, um, he wasn't an eyewitness that was following the Lord Jesus Christ and heard all of these things. Luke is going back. We don't know where he was, but he goes back to the place of origin. And he begins to investigate, as he says here in, um, in verse 2. It says, um, handed down to us by those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It's in feeding for me as well, having investigated everything carefully. Look probably left Paul, whatever he was, and went down to Bethlehem, Nazareth, even Jerusalem. And he started investigating, and probably what we are reading right now about Simeon and Anna is the account of Mary. Because who else was there when Simeon is expressing all these things? So probably she was one of the main ones that was explaining to Luke what is that was going on? So Luke is going back and he's, he hears about the angel Gabriel, how he came down and told, and told Mary that she was going to be a mother. Just before that, 
the angel had been gone, had gone to Zechariah and expressed to Zechariah, you're going to be a dad. And instead of Zechariah jumping out and saying, oh, amen, finally, he expressed his doubt on the words of the angel. And because of it, he was mute until the baby was born. Probably he was told about Mary visiting Elizabeth. And then how she expressed, how she said, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. What an opportunity for somebody to understand that even though Mary is the one that was going to be given birth to Messiah, she still needed a trust in Christ for her, her Savior. That's, those are her own words in the Magnificat, as it is called. And probably she went and, and she kept on talking about how the baby was born, how they had to travel from Bethlehem and move down from, from Nazareth and go down to Bethlehem. And then she started experiencing birth pains and the baby was born. And eight days later, she had to go with Joseph and present the baby so that it would be circumcised. And it's exactly in this setting that Simeon appears. The Holy Spirit is telling him, probably, imagine, imagine how many babies he was checking every single day as they were coming into the temple. Every time that he heard a baby, probably he'd run to him and, no, this is not it. Oh, uh, no, this is not it. Oh, maybe, no, not this, not this, maybe days from the, day, the moment that the prophecy was given to him. Maybe months. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Maybe years of keeping, watching every single baby that came through the temple. Until one day when finally a very poor couple comes walking into the temple. How do we know that they're a poor couple? Do you notice what is the quality of the uh, offering that they presented? If you read the Old Testament, they should have come with a lamb and a turtle dove. But in this case, they were so poor that the law provided for those people that were extremely poor, that they would substitute the lamb for another turtle dove. So they were extremely poor. Maybe because they were traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem and they didn't have enough money. We don't know why. But what we know is that the what they present, they were very, very poor. And yet, that didn't prevent him from reaching down and looking at her. And he holds the baby. He grabs the baby. Now, moms that are right here, that's, that's almost, um, in Latin America, that's kind of normal. You know, you get with your baby. You get with your baby. You know, you've been trying to cover him up. And you don't want anybody to sneeze over him. Or her. But yet, that is not going to prevent that old grandma to come and say, give me that. And take the baby up from your hand, uh, from your hand and, uh, and, and probably kiss him and whatever. Well, in this case, you know, Mary, she's holding the baby. And right away, this older man comes running and grabs the baby and says the following. Now, Lord... You are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. 
Simeon's earnest expectation of the Messiah is being fulfilled right there in front of his eyes. Finding the Messiah brings peace. Can you see verse 29 the, in the middle? Bond servant to depart in peace. Well, you know, in the case of Simeon, it's, it's a little bit difficult what he's going to experience. Because at the moment that he holds the baby, he knows his days are numbered. And yet, he has peace. Amen? Because when you find Messiah, when you find, when you truly find repentance, when you truly find forgiveness of your sins, when you find that you have a Savior, there's nothing else in your heart left but peace. Oh, the problem is that nowadays, the way that we want to obtain peace is through a job. So when we are taking that job off, when, when that job has disappeared, then goes peace as well. And hope begins to dwindle. When that baby is born, when, when the, you first receive your baby... You're praying for that person. And you say, oh, Lord, thank you so much for this baby. I pray that he or she would be a mighty man, a mighty woman before you. That they would follow you all their lives. And then little by little, you see how they begin to go away, to depart from the faith. And you think, Lord, Lord, when? When are they going to come back to the faith? So hope begins to dwindle. That's a problem. When you have your hope in other things those are going to come, come crashing down. But when your hope is in Jesus Christ, when your hope is in the Messiah, then no matter what they throw at you, the hope shouldn't disappear. And he has peace and he's joyful. That's what the Bible says. Now, Lord, you release your bond servant to depart in peace. He's not going to see any of the miracles He's not going to see him walking on, on water. He's not going to see Lazarus being raised. Simeon is not going to see any of that. But he doesn't have to. But he understands that the prophecy given by the Holy Spirit to him is enough for him to have that hope and that peace that surpasses all understanding. The Messiah brings the hope of global blessing. I want you to take a look at one very important thing. Verse 30 and verse 31. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He's probably referring to all the people that were coming to the temple to offer different sacrifices. And they would come from all over the, the, the ancient world. They would come from as far as Spain... To Jerusalem, well, even though back then it was called Tarshish. They would come from all the way down from Egypt. And they would come all the way to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. So he's probably referring to that. That he has prepared this in the presence of all peoples. All kinds of peoples. Except that in verse 32... He tells us that God's idea for the hope of Messiah is not only for Israel. It's not only for the Jewish people. That vision is greater. It's far greater than anybody, any Jew thought about it. Because see, there was a problem. They thought that when Jesus was coming, when Messiah was coming, it was going to be only for the Jewish people. 
but God has greater things. Don't you love it when God expands your horizons? Don't you love it when God cleans up the, your eyes and finally you could see far beyond what you could do? And I pray for, for our brothers in Russia. My goodness. I'm <laughs> I love missions. That's why I marry a missionary. Hey, hallelujah. <laughs> Believe me, there's something in my heart that moves every time that we think about missions. Because the next verse is one of the most important, I think, in this first section. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. God has in mind not only the Jewish people. He has a global perspective in mind. He has a global perspective. Oh, Lord, give us that kind of vision. Not only for Katie. Yes, we want to reach out to 350,000 people. And God says, of course you can. Are you willing to pay the sacrifice? Are you willing to do what is necessary to do so? And God says, but I'm not, I'm not only having that in mind for you. You think that, y'all think, y'all, oh my word, I'm a Texan now. I'm a Texan now. Y'all think that it's just casualty, it, it, that it's just by, by chance that we have today representatives from Russia today. And I don't know, but I don't know if you know this, but we have people in, in this church that were born here in America. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that amazing? But we also have people that were born in Venezuela. Venezuelans. We're the Salvadorians. We're the Mexicans. Oh, wow. That, I thought Venezuela was going to be a lot more. But we have people from Russia. And we have people from France. Hallelujah. What, what are you? India. Hey. Why don't you yell, the, yell out the, the country you were born in? Just one, two, three. Texas. <laughs> I love Pastor. He's like, Texas. Hallelujah. You know, God has a broader vision for all of us. Sometimes we want to reach out the world, across the world. But we don't go out in front of our house. So it has to be across the street and around the world. And that's exactly what we're going to learn toward the end with Anna. But what I love about this is that God has a broader perspective, a global perspective. That's what we're saying. The Messiah brings the hope of global blessing. See, he's not only for the Jewish people. He says, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of of your people, Israel. Don't be mistaken. We still need to pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. There's some, there's some misunderstanding that they, people think that just because they were born into uh, the Jewish community that they are saved. They also need a fine Messiah. They also need that. And my brothers and sisters, that's one of the least rich people groups in the world. And we need to pray for that. We need to pray constantly for the peace in Jerusalem and for the 
reconciliation of Israel with God. They, they rejected the Lord. And for that, we, we need to go to them and show them who Messiah is so that they could trust as well. But this wasn't going to be easy. They thought that Messiah was going to come and he was going to be this powerful king or a colonel or a general. And he was going to uh, kick away all the, the Romans. But take a look what it says here as he is talking to Mary. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed to fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. So Messiah was to suffer. Number one, he was going to suffer opposition. But also it says, to the end that a thought of it, and a sword will pierce even your own soul. He's talking to Mary because he's talking about what is going to ultimately happen to Jesus, to our Messiah. So that, that um, sword, maybe, that he's talking about figurative, figuratively, that is going to pierce the soul of Mary, is referring to the suffering of our Messiah. Even in this case, this old man, this older saint, is prophesying something about our Lord Jesus Christ. Kids, look up here. I want you to know something. Old people, they are not a nuisance. They are a rich fountain of information for all of us. And when you, when you look around here, and you may see a few white hairs here and there, what is amazing is that they have been with Jesus for a long time. They have been following the Lord faithfully. And you know, we even call our own people, our, our own um, leaders, we call them elders. Some of them are older. Others not so much, even though some don't have any hair. But... And you know, the reason why we call them elders is because there's two reasons. There's two things that are attached to this title. Number one, yeah, age. They are not newly believers. They have walked with the Lord. They have been tested in different circumstances and occasions. But number two is maturity. They have been proven faithful. If you have served in this church as elder, or you are currently serving as an elder, please indulge me and stand up. Allow us a, allow us a moment of recognizing you. Thank you. Kids, that's what we strive for. We want to be faithful in following the Lord every single day of our lives. It's not going to be easy for you. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to treat you differently when you start talking about Jesus. But it is worth it. 
Because look what happened. When somebody is righteous and somebody is devout, that means that he's not only talking the good talk, but living a good life, modeling after other people, maybe your parents. Well, hoping that your parents are doing a good job. Maybe other saints. But see, there's a lot of examples here in this church of people that are doing, that are following the Lord, just like Simeon. And you think that this is the only one? Huh. Let's keep on going. Anna witnessed the coming of the Messiah. Anna witnessed the coming of the Messiah. Look at verse 36. And there was a prophetess. Interesting. It was somebody that communicates with the Lord. This is before we had the whole gospel, the whole truth completely here in our, uh, our full account of the Bible. She's a daughter of somebody prominent from the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. So let's say that she was probably 14, 15. Yeah, that, that sounds kind of weird nowadays. But what we understand is she was born. She was, a, she, she was married really young. And then after seven years of being married, uh, she became a widow. And for 87, 84 years, she now had been a widow. I don't know. I'm not good at math. That's why I became a pastor. But she's old, right? She's very old. And yet, what I love about this situation that the Lord is telling us is that she is fasting. Well, I don't like fasting, if I can be honest with you. The days that, the days that I fast because I do, um, are the days that more people invite me out for lunch. <laughs> and, you know, having to figure out how to say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm fasting. No, right? Because that's exactly what Matthew says, tells us that we shouldn't be doing. So I have to come up with creative ways to say, I'm sorry, I already had plans. Yeah, the plan is fasting. <laughs> oh, but it's hard because I feel like I'm allergic to fasting. You know, because my, my, my stomach kind of growls, my, my head kind of feels dizzy. But that's not preventing a 90-some-year-old grandma. 90-some, 100-some-year-old lady to fast and pray as often as she could in the temple of the Lord. What's our excuse? If she can... What's her excuse? And yet in the middle of all this, you know, she probably, she's seen Simeon holding the baby. And at that moment, at that right very moment, look at that. That's what the Bible tells us. That she came at the right time. Verse 38, she said that at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God. My friend, it is not a coincidence that you are here today. Maybe you have not trusted in Christ as your personal Savior yet, but today is not out of chance. God knew that you needed to hear this message today. And what the Bible says is that He came down from heaven, from His throne. Yes, to to, to was, He was born in a, in a manger. He was placed in that manger, and then He died in the cross 
for our sins. And when you trust in Christ as your personal Savior, then you will experience that hope that Simeon and Anna understood and had. So it's not out of chance that you came today. God wanted you to listen to this part of the story. And just like you and just like Anna, she came at the right moment. Not a minute later, not a, not a minute before, but at the right moment. I love my pastor Lyons in Chicago. Heidi, Becky, we know who I'm talking about. And he has a, a every time that he started uh, our evening service in Chicago, he would start, he would start, you are in the right place at the right time. And everybody would start, you know, yelling and screaming because even though it was a Baptist church, it was not very Baptistic and sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> you are in the right place at the right time. Everybody uproaring. Well, let me tell you, you are in the right place at the right time right now. Just like Anna was at the right place at the right time. And because of it, she received the blessing that was foretold. What I love about this is that she understood that the prophecy was fulfilled. Verse 38 says that. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God. Question, why is she giving thanks to the Lord? Answer, because she understood. At, at when she started listening to the words, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and a glory of your people Israel. At that moment when she's uttering those words and she has the, he has the baby up here, she's coming in. She listens to it and understands that the prophecy has been fulfilled. And that's why she begins to give thanks to the Lord. Another way that we give thanks to the Lord is by worshiping Him. Just like what she was doing. And I'm so glad that you came today. And it's difficult to sing songs that we sing only once a year. But isn't that amazing? Isn't it beautiful to come and worship the Lord every single Sunday? Boy, all the things that people miss because they don't come. And I hope if you're listening, if you're watching today, that you take courage and you come back. Because we miss you here, but you're missing out. So, the hope of Messiah produces worship. That's what she's doing. She's exalting the Lord. She's thanking the Lord. She's worshiping the Lord. And at the end says, look at verse 38. Once again, at the very moment... She came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So he not only is there at the right moment, the right time. He understands the prophecy is fulfilled. He understands that by seeing Messiah, she's full of worship. And the hope of Messiah produces in her worship, just like it should do in our own cases. But also the hope of Messiah leads to witnessing. It leads to witness those that were around. Oh Lord, I'm, I'm a, little bit, a little bit concerned when somebody asks me, hey, should Christians celebrate Christmas? And you know, 
I know that probably Jesus wasn't born on December 24th. And some of you are like, oh, or 25th, whatever. Some of you are, oh, anathema, kick him out. But others are probably thinking, he's right. It was a pagan day that was redeemed by the church. I don't want to confuse you. But let me tell you one thing. In the markets, in all the supermarkets, in the malls, and even in pagan places, they are singing our songs. What a wonderful opportunity to then ask people, hey, it's talking about my Savior. Do you get what they're saying? Do you understand what they're saying? Because it's preaching about, it's talking about the coming Messiah, the hope of the world, the hope for all nations. And at that moment, we could use that to say to people, let me tell you about my Savior. And maybe some of them are going to make fun of you, like they've made fun of him and fun of many of us. But maybe that's what God is planning all along, for all of us to step in and say to people, you need to listen to this sermon. You need to listen to this message. So at the end, we're going to ask for different um, applications, as I always try to do. And the third one is, give us an opportunity. I pray for an opportunity this week to share the gospel of hope. And I pray that you will come along with me and that would join me in doing so. Very rapidly, I just want to mention these two things. Jesus' fulfillment brings hope to the believer. Number one, Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's what Colossians 1.27 says. We have a certain hope that the coming glory, we belong there. We don't belong here. And this glory that he's talking about, this hope of glory, is because Christ is in us. At the moment that we trusted in Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled us. Ephesians 1.13. The Holy Spirit is now living in you and in me. And because the Holy Spirit is in us, we are destined to a different place and that place is not here that place is heaven and christ is the hope of eternity christ is the hope of glory is what colossians 1:27 says and i love it when joey came and he started reading to us from the from peter 1 3 to 9 so basically i'm gonna give a summary of what he's saying there we hope through trials because Christ is in us. You could go back home and you could read it and you could study it as much as you want to. But what it's saying is that Jesus is giving us the hope that in the midst of trials, He is there with us and we have nothing to fear. I don't know what you were hoping for this Christmas. Kids, what are you hoping for? What are you asking for? I hope that you learn to hope for something better, which is Christ in your life. I don't know what you hope when you go to a certain place and you ask for your non-foam latte with three squirts of caramel and salted whatever. And then you get there to the front and you look at it and it's for Mr. Rahul. I'm not Rahul. And instead of non-foam latte, is the foam is coming out. 
And you go to the bartender and, well, coffee bartender. And you say, hey, this is wrong. Because your hope was crushed. I don't know what you're hoping for this Christmas. I don't know what you're hoping in life. But I want to tell you that we can have a hope, an eternal hope. Because Jesus Christ came. He fulfilled the prophecy. That long-awaited prophecy. He fulfilled it in every single sense. And because of it, we could have hope in our hearts that will last through eternity. Three applications today, and I finish with this. The Lord is faithful. Let's keep hoping. Don't lose heart. It is worth it to trust in Christ. It is worth to follow Christ. Number two, God fulfills His promises. Let's persevere. Yeah, there might be some bumps in the road and different situations that you might encounter here and there. But that gives you no excuse to stop persevering. Perseverance is one of the distinctive characteristics of us believers in Christ. And because God fulfills His promises, we could be assured, rest assured, that we need to persevere even through trials. I don't know what you're facing, but God could help you because you have hope in Him. And just like Anna, we have great news. Great news to share. Let's share our hope. Let's share the hope of Jesus Christ. Because that's exactly what we want to celebrate during this Christmas season. They might not let you pray over the meal on Christmas Day. But that should never stop you from praying over the people that you encounter throughout the Christmas season. May the Lord give us this hope. May the Lord allow this hope to keep on growing inside of us for his honor and his glory. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so marvelous. Is it true that 700 years before you told Isaiah that he will come? And then he came. And now we celebrate that he came. But he didn't come just to conquer. He came to die first. And through that give us eternity. Eternal life. If we trust in him as a personal savior. Oh father help us to be like Simeon. Righteous people and devout people. That proclaim like Anna to others. The message of hope. In the gospel. For in Jesus' name we pray.